Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. Pie to pie, another fantastic conversation. This one with Daniel Holzman of Danny Boy's Famous Pizza, located in downtown Los Angeles. I caught up with Danny right outside his shop on a beautiful, sunny LA morning. Uh, we had a great conversation. Daniel is a lot of things. Daniel is an author, he's a restaurateur. We talked about everything under the sun. I don't even know how much we talked about pizza. After the interview was over, Daniel was nice enough to take me through his whole entire kitchen. I saw the operation, he was showing me his policy, I met his team. Just a really well-run organization and his pizza was fantastic. The hospitality was incredible, but the pizza, fermentation bubbles, the coloring, I'd only seen it on the internet. It tasted as good as it looked. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I had having it. Daniel Holzman of Danny Boy's Famous Pizza. David Bowie forever. Later. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm down here with, uh, with Daniel Holzman. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, of uh, Danny Boy's. We're outside the restaurant. It's a little... Maybe a little noisy. We've got some music going. This is like a breezy, early summer, late spring afternoon. It's nice. Um, yeah. I just got out of the cold plunge. It's windy. Little wind. We're not yeah. supposed to touch the table. Can't touch the table. Can't lean. Got to uh, speak up. We start these off with a little gift. I got oh, you this, Is that true? I got, I got you this pinhook bourbon. Tell me about pinhook bourbon. I don't know anything about it. Uh, this was the, the recommended bourbon. I actually almost got you brandy because uh, I revisited your podcast with uh, on Rogan, and you got him brandy. But I think I feel like this bourbon's going to be better. I got him brandy because it was... $32. So it was the, that was the least expensive booze in the store. This is 44. Oh, you guys are crushing me. So No, that I bought that because I thought no one no one appreciates American um I love brandy. Uh, but no one appreciates apple, you know, applejack yeah. and like um, the that that uh the American tradition of making booze outside of the Kentucky whiskey and Yeah. Um that I can't came, wait to that taste it. highly recommended. That's so th I'm so thankful. And I like that it was like in a wine bottle almost. So this is gorgeous. Um, I look forward to tasting this. I wonder who makes it. Well, it's unfiltered, and it's probably delicious. All right, pie to pie. Fifteen questions. Those are the rules. There are no rules. Let's get into it. Let's do sixteen questions. Okay. You've been cooking most of your life. You went to culinary school and you have been part of many businesses. Why would someone with your resume decide to open up a pizza shop? Wow. That's you've thrown the hardball questions out early. <laughs> 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 Trying to get this cheddar, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, uh, I worked in fancy French restaurants and I had, you know, ambitions of being a fancy French chef and having my, you know, face on fancy magazines and Michelin stars and all that nonsense. And at some point I looked around me and the people that I was serving, um, so my father was a woodworker. He was a cabinet maker. And growing up, I used to have to enter through the, uh, employee entrance the service entrance of buildings and go and help and work with him. And then when I worked in restaurants, I had to go through the, the employee entrance and the service entrance. And I felt like a servant, like a second class citizen. And I had a chip on my shoulder and I didn't like it. And so I said to myself, um, when I open my own restaurant, I'm going to walk through the front door and all the cooks and everybody's going to, are going to walk through the front door. And, um, at some point working in fancy restaurants and looking at the customers, like, my friends and my family couldn't afford to eat in the restaurants that I was working in. And I support and love the fact that there are folks that are making special food for special experiences in people's lives. Um, but for me, food is not about exclusivity. It's about, you know, approachability and inclusivity and, and, um, uh, so, you know, I left working in fancy restaurants to open a restaurant in New York that, you know, meatball restaurant where we were using inherently inexpensive ingredients. So 
though, so we could put the same kind of care and love and quality into the food. But, you know, a bowl of pasta, uh, you know, and eight, nowadays at the time, an $18 bowl of pasta was expensive at restaurants, 18 to 23. It should be nine bucks. Now, 18 bucks is fair, 18 to 23. But like a $47 bowl of pasta, like who can afford that? I mean... Who can afford that? It's so expensive. And I understand that, you know, you when you go to Funky and there's a there's a person that is making the pasta with their hands, it's worth it. So it's not to say it's not worth it, but like, you know, I'm I'm not broke anymore. I used to be a broke and I certainly but I still can't afford it. It's crazy expensive. And so I wanted to make food that was accessible. And I got out to LA and you know, my wife and I were hung over and we ordered pizza and you know, there's great pizza in LA. But I didn't find. He has an, to say that as a disclaimer. No, probably. there's great pizza in LA, <laughs> and and LA has a rich history of great pizza. It's just a different type of pizza. Every city has its own type of pizza, um, and in New York City, you know, the 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 pizza that I grew up with in New York City is my comfort food, and I couldn't find it. Uh, uh, the example that that reminded me of home, and so we opened it, and it didn't start out as an obsession, but like everything else, you start making pizza and then it takes over that's oh, so fucking loud here it's unbelievable i know it's like this is going to be the most la podcast we've ever had yeah. with our are, are you born in new york or new jersey i was born in boonton new jersey okay in, in lovely i've never been back but i hear it's lovely this time of year <laughs> <laughs> did you grow up in new york i grew up on 83rd street and first avenue so when i was like six months old i tell my mom we gotta get out of here we gotta go. We um we 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 moved. My 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 mom was from Long Island. My dad was from Brooklyn. He's a Dodgers fan. Even when he was out here, he would call them the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um and uh, uh, they moved to New Jersey when my brother was born. And four years later, um, I got born. Five years later, I was born, and we moved back to New York. Yeah. Okay. My mom never, I don't think, drove. But that, she I just stayed home drove. for five years. You don't. You're, yeah. Nah, yeah. I hate driving. Yeah, I like to drive. Tell me about how you obviously you've probably been making pizza throughout your career, but weren't as serious about it before this opened. Who did you go to? How did you get inspired? What did you do? So basically, I have worked in 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 pizza restaurants that serve pizza. So I had a basic general idea, but you know, pizzas, it's very, as you know, well, uh, as, as well or better than me, certainly. Um, um, pizza is like its own thing that requires its own respect uh, um, because it's baking. You have to be a baker first and foremost, and then the cooking is just like putting the toppings on and figuring out what you want to combine. Um, and so I don't want to say I underestimated it, but I certainly didn't um, appreciate how um, kind of like profoundly complicated and involved and fascinated I would get. So uh, uh, um, I started out by calling like the three guys named Vinny I know, because everybody that makes pizza in New York's named Vinny. Um, there was a guy named uh, Vincent um, that owned Gino's Pizza, which was right across the street from me growing up. And mm -hmm. it was my first job. I was a delivery boy there. And his you know, his advice was very New York and very classic. Like I worked in a pizzeria since I'm a kid. So his, his measurements were like, you fill a nine pan three quarters of the way with the salt and the water should be like, you know, so it's cold to the touch and you fill, you put a 50 pound bag in the whatever and you fill the water to here. Um, He's using the force. And I, yeah, I thought, you know, I loved Gino's pizza and I, and it was my pizzeria growing up. Um, and then I called my friend uh, Vincent Rotolo, who had opened a good pie uh, in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And he got, he got, he really was the first person that really helped me to understand what was going on um, and gave me some of the understanding of the like temperature and the different types of flour and the protein percentages and hydration and, you know, how all that worked together. And I think, um, uh, at some point I was asking him questions that, you know, he was like, look, you got to talk to this guy, John, John Arena, who's the guy that taught me how to make pizza. Um, and so I went and I sat down with, at a, um, he was teaching like a class to 
It was like a 75 plus year old lady pizza demo, like ladies who lunch Vegas style. I don't know. Like, I don't know where, where they bought the, the experience, but I learned more watching John Arena talk to these like, you know, ladies who didn't care or weren't, weren't, you know, that wasn't, their primary interest wasn't really learning. I think they were just interesting him because he's devastatingly handsome. Yes, he is. Um, I learned more watching that that like demo and conversation about pizza, and I was so impressed with not just his passion for it, but like, you know, he really understands it on a level that um, very few people do, devote his whole life to. And so I went out and I spent some time working with him in Las Vegas, and I've spent a lot of time. On, I mean, to this day, like I called him the other day, problem with baking our bread for our roles for our heroes, problem with, you know. Uh, the way that the garlic knots are rising, you know, everything. Every time I have any problem, I'm, I'm calling him. He's our. He's the. He's the Yoda. Yes, he is. He's the guy. He is. Yeah. Um, well, not a lot of people have access to people like Vincent. And Everybody's got access to them. People just don't realize that the hospitality industry attracts hospitable people, and you just have to pick up the phone. And we all are responsible for paying that forward. And the folks that make pizza that care about the ingredients and making it great have a responsibility to one another in the community because the more that we share what makes pizza special to folks, the more folks will, um, you know, want to spend four bucks on a slice and not be value driven when they're ordering pizza. Right? Yeah, no, that was, you, you answered the question. I was just going to ask you the value and the importance of like reaching out to people, maybe like people that, uh, you think are unattainable, like a John Arena or a Vincent Rotolo or, you know, uh, Chris Decker. You should call them up or text them <laughs> or FaceTime, you know, DM them or whatever you slide into. And it happens constantly to me. It happens constantly to everybody that I know. We all share and, um, and, and question one another. Um, and we're all in this together. There is no competition. The rising tide raises all boats. Like, we, the goal um, of, for each and every one of us is to help each other to progress the quality of pizza so that, as I said before, like for years and years and years, um, restaurateurs have been teaching the American population that they should value price over everything else. And, and they've been using value-driven tactics to undermine and undercut one another to the point where they are then forced to use subpar ingredients, make a subpar product. Um, and then they've, uh, they, you know, they've, they've kind of like hoodwinked the population into um, thinking that they're uh, getting a good deal when really they're paying for it in tax subsidies through um, farm support and otherwise, but Sounds it's like true, it is true. Um, and then, you know, you know, so when you wind up getting, uh, it's, it's the job of, of all of us that care about quality to help one another and teach uh, and promote and help. You know, the first time I drank a, a fancy bottle of wine, I didn't think it was that good. It tasted kind of sour and watery. And I had, a, I had a, a friend that was a fancy sommelier, and she was like, no, it's so much better than this other one that tastes like, you know, strong fruit flavored. And I liked, because I remember drinking grape soda as a kid. Um, but after a while, my palate adjusted, and I learned to appreciate the nuance. And I think that pizza is, is like fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little easier to enjoy. Yeah, but you, you understand, like, when they're like, oh, bad pizza is good pizza, like, bad pizza isn't always good pizza. Sometimes bad pizza just doesn't taste that great. Drew, and I guess what you're saying is you should understand why the $6 slice or whatever is $6. You know what I mean? Like, here, he, let, you know. I just, like, here's the deal, right? Like, growing up in New York City, I just have a chip on my shoulder. Pizza is great. New York pizza is the best thing in the world. And I'm certainly not going to disparage the pizza in New York because it's phenomenally delicious and there's more pizza per, you know, for whatever population square capita, this, that, or the other than anywhere else. So, you know, there's just a, there's just, there, there's a huge variety in the quality of the pizza in New York. You can go down the street and have a, an extraordinary slice and then you can have some pretty, you know, run of the mill, not so great pizza. And, um, you know, I didn't really know that though. I just thought all the pizza was great. And then some of them were by preference, my favorite or otherwise. But the reality is that there's 
better and worse quality because of uh, better and worse ingredients and technique and time and energy and love and care that goes into making the pizza. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't, even as a person that was a chef and, 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 and aspiring pizza guy and planning on opening a pizzeria and all this stuff, accolades and whatnot, I couldn't tell the difference until I started to pay attention. And now that I pay attention, it becomes apparent to me and I don't want to eat the shit that doesn't, isn't great. Yeah. But that, um, you know, it takes a little bit of learning. And I think that that education comes down to the responsibility of the, of the people that want people to appreciate it. Yeah. And I'd say 90% of this industry really does. Also, by the way, the reason a slice of my pizzeria is $5 a slice is, and I feel really strongly about this. Everybody in the industry is a complaining about it being very difficult to find employees and the and and people customers we have been undercutting one another on our price and and the value structure of business of our business you know if 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 the pop if people want restaurants out there we need to support the fact that you got to pay a living wage to your staff and um and what does that really mean like when i was growing up i made 12 bucks an hour you know 10 really i started out at seven bucks an hour my first job six fifty and then I got up to 12 bucks an hour. And then when I started paying people 10 years ago, I was paying them 12 and 13 bucks an hour. That's not a living wage. Even as a, as a young kid, you know, like I could afford rent and that's it. Maybe I could afford a pair of shoes every, you know, whatever, when they wore out. Maybe I could go to the movies once a month. Like, yeah, as a, you know, you want to be 18 years old and, and working towards your passion, great. But I have adults with families that work for me and I'm, you know, I don't want them to have two jobs. I want them to passionately care about the work that they're doing. And I want them to have a life outside of work. I got to pay them uh, an adult wage. I've got to pay them. Everybody in our pizzeria makes at least 50 or $60,000 a year. And, you know, and the leadership makes close to $100,000 a year. That's what it costs to have people that are good at their job and care about it. And the reason that people don't care about their job out there uh, in the world is because they get treated like we don't care about them. And if you don't care about your employees, what do you expect? You know what I'm saying? Like slavery is over, people. It's time to treat people well and care about them. And unfortunately, uh, for the people that get to keep the, the, the whatever's left at the end of the month, um, that means you got to pay them well. You know, it would be really nice if I could just make lots of money and not care. But yeah, I didn't get born that way. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so that's why the, dollar, the, the pizza is $6 a slice, because labor cost is 40%. Growing up, labor cost was 25%, food cost was 25%. You know, the is rest came labor, to 30 Is your labor 40%? Close <laughs> depends, to? Depends upon the month, but yeah. Is, Any, your, is people, your food cost still around 25 My food cost is somewhere in the 22 okay. range. Okay. And my labor cost, I try and bring my labor cost in at 35%. Yeah. But I don't try and get lower than that. Maybe if, you know, Texas is different. You could still, you know, I don't know, pay people $3 an hour. But you could carry a gun, you know. So you well, can shoot people when they the don't work that's hard That's the trade-off, you know. If they don't work hard enough, you just shoot them, I guess. I don't know. It's just California is an expensive place to live. You want to live by the beach? You know, great. One of the things that costs a lot of money also is pizza. Yeah. If you want it to be good. Well, everything, I mean, is. And I think people in L.A. are all about people being treated correctly. And so it should be easy for somebody to come up and be like, oh, that's why a slice costs $5 here. And it's a $5 hot and ready is $5.99. Yo, I, I, when I see a $7 slice of pizza, it makes my, my, I, it makes me want to, you know, run away. I get why? Very, because it's so expensive. It's crazy. But I understand. Yeah. I understand. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, why do restaurants go out of business constantly? Because they're competing on price instead of quality. We should be concentrating on making the food as good as it can possibly be, charging a fair price, you know what I'm saying, for, for what we charge. Um, and then, um, and then if, if you do a great job, people will patronize you. And if not, then they won't. And that's the way it works. But, yeah. if, you, but if you don't charge a fair price, you lose money and you go out of business either way. Yeah. Period. I guess, like, what a fair price is subjective, though. 
In my opinion, yeah. the way it works is you got to look at the numbers and look at you look yeah, at your you look at your center, overhead, you, know? you look at your ingredients, you look at all those things. If you look at your P&L and you you know, you're making over 10% today in California, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Is the reality. Yeah. You know, 15% is great. If you're making 25% <laughs> You're probably not charging a fair price. Yeah, okay. I but, you know, God right. bless you. God bless Facts. you. Facts. You know what I mean? Like, we've all been to, you know, that's that that restaurant in that tourist destination where it's crazy expensive and the quality isn't that good. Yeah. You well, know. you can tell. We can tell. I know you. You can tell. Danny Boys, still pretty new. Uh, how have you attacked marketing the restaurant to get people ordering and to be recognized? Obviously, you have a great online presence. I'm... Shit. I, st- I really set out for this restaurant to be like, I've set out for this restaurant to be like not cool driven. You know what I mean? I feel like cool, the, the, that idea of like, we're going to make our business driven by the cool factor is a really, it's a, it's, a, it's a fleeting promise, right? And so you get the PR, you set it up, you know, you're the hottest restaurant in town. And then it just disappears. You get this long honeymoon phase, and then it's like you drop off a cliff, and then you don't even know where the bottom is. Uh, and that can be really scary. So for, for us, the goal was to have a restaurant that was a real business that was based in folks eating here because it was um, convenient to them and, you know, all the other reasons that people eat at a local pizzeria. Um, We've been blessed because I've got an amazing PR uh, company that I work with. They, they've helped a lot. Amy and uh, Anastasia have helped a lot to like, basically they know the city very well. They know the local press folks and, and we've concentrated on trying to put our money and our energy into word of mouth. So be at the restaurant, talk to the people, make sure the food is great and be authentic so that when the PR people um, get your name out there and the press folks come in, they see that you're not just full of shit. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, you can write a press release and talk about how passionate you are, but ultimately, like, the world right now feeds on authenticity. There's a lot of bullshit out there and everybody can sniff it out. Yes, very easily, usually. Yeah. Sometimes not that easy. Either you're at the pizzeria during the busiest time of lunch, drinking whiskey, and doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they're just banging in there. So we just called in sick. Yeah, you know, you got to show your people that you care. Uh, well, you you do well pushing like the New York guy in LA on the gram. It's like it's 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 like it it, it really works. I appreciate. You know that. what I'm saying? Your pizzas also speak like for themselves. They look incredible. The crust formation, the color, like you, that's what you. I can usually look at a, a pizza and be like, this. You know, this, right away, this fucking dude knows what he's doing um did you have a plan for your social media presence like i think um man i wanted to be as obnoxious as possible without turning people off no i um i i don't i think i'm i think i'm myself although i watch my my wife doesn't think so my wife is like that character you play on instagram is a disaster i'm like character i play i think i'm just more animated and passionate um at work. Well, it kind of feels like a little bit. I've listened to you. It's on a little other bit podcasts. much. It feels like a little bit of a shtick, but yeah. I think it's like I don't know if you're like kind of making well, fun of yourself. Well, I got this thing right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I never wore a gold chain before. I was like, if I'm going to be a pizza guy, I got to be. And I definitely grew up in Manhattan on the Upper East Side, so I definitely don't have like a Brooklyn accent. So that definitely, I, I think that might be. I might be channeling some nonsense <laughs> there. Hundred percent. I mean, just talking to you yeah. now is like you, yeah. you. You turned it on. I might be more of um, a Woody Allen, not in the like love interests with family uh, and youngsters, more like, um, <laughs> <laughs> just like in the. I might be more Larry David than uh, yeah. than, than Brooklyn Italian, but but yeah, I could. I turned it on a little bit. It's okay. so a little. It was. I. I think that. Um, when you go to a pizzeria, that relationship that you have with the people behind the counter is part of the experience. And I was like trying to understand what hospitality means. And hospitality is like, you know, you go to a fancy restaurant, hospitality means that they pour your glass of water for you. You go to a, um, you go to my house and I say, hey, go grab yourself a beer. That's the highest level of hospitality. I'm like, mi casa su casa. Mm-hmm. It's a true hospitality. And in a pizzeria, it's like a, it's like, uh, yo, you know, 
I don't give a fuck about you. I care about all the people in line here. We're moving it fast and we're going to be cordial, but there's a glint in my eye because you're my customer and I, and there, there's a relationship that you form. And one of the biggest challenges of opening, I had lunch with a guy named Donald Link, who's an amazing uh, restaurateur from New Orleans. And I was asking him why the food that's so extraordinary from New Orleans doesn't doesn't work very well in other cities. You don't find a lot of the cuisine in other places. And he was saying because, you know, it's very hard for to teach people how to cook something that they don't know what it's supposed to taste like. And I think, you know, L.A. has extraordinary pizza that is um, that is grown from L.A.'s um, taste and, and ingredients. But New York pizza is very distinct. And trying to get someone from that hasn't ever tasted or been to New York to understand what makes New York pizza New York pizza is a challenge. And so part of the experience of being in a New York pizzeria is the experience of the rest of the, of the pizza guy behind the counter, pizza people, pizza person, pizza guy, mm -hmm. pizza guy um, behind the counter. And uh, so I thought that part of my responsibility was but at, was to show the folks that work at the pizzeria what that means. And, and part of it is playing a little bit of a, of a character. It just is. Yeah. Like, I go into Vincent Rotolo's pizzeria, and he's like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, and, you know, in all fairness, he is from Brooklyn. He does speak like that. But yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, let me... Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. So I basically, think it really, I'm a it fraud. You're but a phony. Like, but it's it's like st it's a, it's still like authentic. You know what Fugaz. I mean? <laughs> I'm a fraud, a phony, a fake. <laughs> you live on the west side, beautiful Venice Beach, right? Oof, beautiful. I have a gorgeous tent. Nice. I right live on, on a right, right on the. <laughs> you got you got waterfront property. Waterfront property, beautiful tent. Oh there's my a God. there's a public toilet just next door. The city feeds me, which is extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> uh, actually looking pretty clean out here. Uh, they've, they listen. I don't know whether it's uh, whether it's was the pandemic or it's the new 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 government folks or whatever. But it's way clean. It's very nice actually. Yeah. And I hate to propagate that as a joke, but it is funny. Yeah. But it wasn't funny when it really was a thing. But yeah. it's way nicer now. Well, that's People good. have been cleaning it up. That's good. Where are you getting your pizza from out there when you order? Man. Um, in, in Venice Beach, so in all fairness, I don't eat a ton of pizza outside. I eat, I eat slice of pizza every single day at the at Danny Boy's. I'm here yeah. every single day. Yeah. Um, and for a while there, it was like two or three slices. Um, I thought it was a magic diet food because I didn't gain weight for a while, and then it, and it, then it, and then it yeah. hit me uh -huh. like, a, like a freshman 15, but mm -hmm. more. Um, and the pepperoni finally gave me heartburn. If you eat a slice of pepperoni pizza every day, it'll, it'll, it'll destroy you. Um, but you could do like a year straight before it really gets bad. Okay. That's that's my my experience. Um, I eat the Jelena pizza. I go down there to Jelena to go and I eat that slice of pizza. Obviously, you know Abbott Kenny Abbott's um, Abbott's Pizza Co has been there forever, and and they've got that weird sesame seed and like bagel crust, which is actually kind of delicious, and I loved it. Um, they have a salad slice that I tried to mimic here because I because I thought it was so great. Yeah. And I love that. Um, little little um little dynamite just opened up in Culver City. Yep. They've got yeah, a square Kyle. slice that's great. Um. Uh. And and um. And I really like that. I really like them. Joe's Pizza um, was a, was a, growing up was a go-to, and so they, there's one in Santa Monica. Right? Hey, it's Is different. It it's different, but you know, I got to tell you, like, I moved out here, and Joe was like, "Hey, you're opening." I he called. And the was, Joe. Yeah, it was like I want to have. Is take the Joe's out here like his cousin or something? I don't know Twice what there's removed? some complication in there. I think it might be like one of those raised famous original stories where okay. it goes around. Um, uh, um, he called you. He called me. Out of the blue? Out of the blue. It was like, I hear you're opening. Just, I want to welcome get, you to L.A., take numbers. you to lunch. I thought he was trying to, like, break my knees if I opened next door. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, um, son. It was so, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of where else I eat. Those are where, where I would order pizza from. Okay. That was enough. Three pizzerias yeah, is enough? Yeah, good. Yeah. I think you covered it. You ever been to South End? No, tell me about it. Oh, I think it's it's mostly Neapolitan. Uh, I forget the dude who owns it. Italian. It's good. Hmm. Yeah. I'll try it out. South End, I think, yeah. is, is what it's called. And then uh, Great White. Yeah, you know. Um, so they, have, they just have a pizza program. They've got a pizza I've never program, been but there. The, so the guy that we hired, I opened this pizzeria, and I got to be honest, man. 
uh, you know, working in pizzerias and learning about it, blah, blah, blah. It does not prepare you to run a pizzeria. So I hired a bunch of guys that worked in pizzerias. And one of them was a guy named Mardo. Um, and he taught all of us how to make pizza. I mean, he was extraordinarily talented. Mm -hmm. And he had been come from Great White. This kid has worked at every single man. I don't want to be rude. This man has worked at every single pizzeria in, in L.A. because he gets fired after like three weeks because he's got he's a he's a drunk with the worst attitude I've ever experienced in my entire life. Those it took me. Employees. I mean, I wanted to murder this guy so many times. He was so openly, extraordinarily rude to me to my face. But I was like, dude, he's the only guy that could get the pizza off the paddle round. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> is he still working <laughs> no, for you? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> he quit. He quit. I was I try my best to help him out, man, but he just would not. He never showed up on time, not even once. I, oh, man. He was his own worst enemy. He was the pits, but I, I loved him. And if he came in today, I would give him a big hug. He helped us so much, Mardo. But he had this whole theory about um, it's got to like square. It was like you make it square, four corners. You call it the four corners, Poppy. That would he say, like, four corners, Poppy. And then you would have to, you would like make it with four corners. He's like, you have to see the four corners. I'm like, dude. I don't understand, it's round. And then one day, the other day, I was making a pizza and I was throwing it, I threw it down and I could see the four corners. <laughs> I could see it. I was like, Your mind I was like, melts. holy shit, Marto is right there, are four corners in a circle. And he's like, and you stretch it from the, from the octagon. And I was like, but that guy was extraordinary. Yeah, Sounds and, like and he was the, uh, he was the pizza guy at Gray White. They were the last people to fire him before he came to me. I didn't fire him, he quit. He quit. Wow. He walked out, uh, he walked out. He started crying and he walked out. I loved him. Well, Mardo. He, Mardo, I hope you're doing well. He's, dying. He's not doing well. <laughs> He's He's We're not all doing, dying. He's not doing well. Uh, so you're a jujitsu dude. Am uh, I? Is that how? Am I a jujitsu guy anymore? I hurt my back. I haven't trained for like seven, eight months. I mean, isn't it something that you carry with your with you your whole life? <sighs> I've been thinking a lot about that because I'm getting back surgery. And I'm wondering whether I'm going to wrestle anymore. And it's making me, it makes me feel very sad when I think about it. I still have my, my, my geese take up most of my closet still. So I guess maybe that's Your the definition of yeah, a jujitsu guy. Yeah, but I'm embarrassed to wear jujitsu. I promised myself I would never wear jujitsu gear like out until I got my black belt. And then I got my black belt and I started wearing that real proud. Um, you like wore it to work your black belt? Always, at all times. Mm -hmm. No, you know, the sweatshirts yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I haven't been wearing it lately because I feel like a little bit of a fraud. I feel like you got to be in it or not. You got to be in it or not. Well. It's not a hobby. Yeah. I mean, it's it is. It's a lifestyle. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's like Othello. It's a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. No, I think you got to be in it, man. I don't think you, yes, I think you keep your, you think you keep your black belt. I'm proud of it. I worked my ass off. It was the hardest thing that ever happened for me. But. I don't think it's something that you, you know, we all know exactly where we are in the game. Period, end of story. Yeah. Right? We all know. Well, it's a, it's a physical thing, but there's also mental, right? That, that you carry on in, in that art. I've never done it. Yeah, I think I've, I could fuck a guy up if he stepped to me, for yeah. sure. And, and, and so I'm not overly concerned about it. I also think that, you know, I could get punched in the face and it would really suck. And uh, Usually he could, does. Um, either way. So... I don't, I think you got to stick with it, man. I think you got to be in it or not. Okay. That's what I think. Um, and I think it doesn't mean that you have to be competitive, but I think either you're on the mats or you're not and everything else is bullshit. Okay. Where you are in the game, where your belt is on top, on your, is, is less important than, um, it's like when people are like photographers, what's your, what's a grasp camera? And they're like, well, the camera you got with you. Yeah, the one in You know, your it's kind of like, it's like embarrassing, but it's just true. You know, you got to well, be in it. Well, has has doing jujitsu ever like have you when you were like really into it? Did it did it help you in other parts of your life? Like, did it help cooking at all? Did it, did that kind of thing bleed into other things? I've thought about getting into it and and as a release and maybe it helping for other aspects of life. Jujitsu is like meditation. Yeah, it's a, just a form of meditation. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, yes, no question about it. That it, you know, I'm. I have a frenetic, you know, energy, right? And that that is, um, I've got a lot of energy, and it's not getting a release right now. I could swim laps all day long, and it does, it's not the same experience. Um, so, it's it's a it's a form of meditation. 
and okay. it helps in everything. It keeps you centered and calm. It also, you know, men are born like every you watch those natural channels and the two bulls go up and they try and kick each other's ass. And that's how they decide who's going to get laid. And I understand that that's not how you get laid anymore. But for some reason, there's some part of the male brain that is always, you know, I think maybe it's because you're scared, young, but you look at the other guy and you think, can I, can I beat him up or not? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like, I guess we've had, you know, only a few thousand years of living in a society for us to, like, hone the, the finer aspects of our humanity. But, you know, we've got a lot of instinct in there that makes us want to be brutes and beat each other up and be crazy people. Um, and uh, the jujitsu really helps you to understand where you fit in in that world. So it's less like, I don't know, I just don't feel that need to be an asshole to somebody or per, like fake like I'm going to fight them because either they can beat you up or they can't and that's not what makes them better or worse than you yeah. and once you experience it a lot you also realize that like fighting is something that like growing up in New York and as a chef I just figured I should be tough and good at making pizza by like default. Those should be the downloaded cards that I came with, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is that unless you fight all the time, you're not good at it. The person that works harder, trains harder, and puts more energy and time into it is the person that is better at that. And the person that spends more time concentrating on being the best and learning the most about pizza is the one that's gonna do the most of that. Everything in life is about work and discipline. Energy in gets, gets quality out. Yeah. Time and time and energy, that's it. So, like, that idea of inherently tough doesn't exist. Although there are some mofos that are just inherently tough. Built that you way. see them. Yeah. They go to prison, and then they survive. You know? I'm not actually a tough guy, obviously. Clearly. No one ever thought so. <laughs> no right? one ever said... It was the glasses <laughs> that gave me away. <laughs> Have you it's always a, wore... You came out of the womb wearing those? It's the Woody Allen thing. <laughs> uh, all right. You're a lot of things, but also an author... Oh. Co-author of two books. <laughs> Charlatan, author. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, everything under the sun. Uh, is that something you Thespian. always is that is that something you always wanted to do? And would you do it again? And was the process enjoyable? That's three questions. I um I yes. It's writing is like man, the hardest thing. You know, the reason that that people that are great writers make a lot of money. Uh, is because it's worth it, dude. It is so extraordinarily hard and painful to write something, and it seems like it should be so easy. But, um, man, what a challenge, and what a, what a, what a rewarding experience. And um, Matt Robbard's my writing partner. Yeah. And I went to him um, years ago. We first met, in, you know, 15 years ago, and, and I was like, had some douchey attitude. I was like, I want to have a... A column in the New York Times, which is like, you know, I don't know, it's like going up to like some guy and being like, I want to be in the New York, you know, in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I want to put my photographs there. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> like, fuck you. What makes you, what gives you the, you know. And uh, Matt was really nice and about it. And he was like, well, if you really are interested in, in writing, like I went to college and spent my time as a journalist, you know, working for, you know, cutting my teeth and blah, blah, blah. But if you really want to do it, why don't we co-author a column together? And it was, uh, it's been a really wonderful, um, it's been a really wonderful, fulfilling experience in my life, working with him, learning to write a little bit, um, learning about the process. Um, and then most fun about it is challenging myself because when you write something down, it's indelible. People, it exists forever. And yeah. so if you don't want to embarrass yourself, you got to know what you're talking about. And so I'm a, I'm a natural-born bullshit artist, and I'm constantly spewing crap out of I mean, my family all knows, like, you know, me. So they all know, like, I know everything, except, like, if you have Google, it's not necessarily right what I'm saying. Yeah. And, um, but when you write it down and you publish it, you really got to slow down and pay attention. And I've learned so cooking, you learn so much tracking down the, the information and trying to make sure that what you're doing is, um, is, is not going to embarrass you. Mostly. I just don't want to embarrass myself really in real life. Actually. I just don't want to be embarrassed. Do you, are you going to write another book? Absolutely. 
Yeah. I don't I don't have one on deck, but my we Matt and I talk about it all the time. He's busy and I'm busy and um so the first cookbook we I wrote was with the Meatball Shop cookbook. Yep. And I didn't know what I was doing and I learned a ton because the the the, the publisher was extraordinary and um, we hired somebody to to help us. My my partner Matt Mike uh, Mike Chernow and I worked on it and you know uh, I'm very proud of that book. Um, but a lot of the a lot of uh, of the credit goes to the folks that that were you know the the editor and the 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 person that we wrote with the hired to help us write it and the photographer i mean they're all big part of it. it's a collaboration yeah um and i was I, right during, a little bit before the pandemic i um i was reading martin luther king's autobiography and i was thinking to myself how did this guy he's an extraordinary book he's an amazing writer mm mm-hmm. And obviously, like the speeches, you don't you got to write them before you read them, I guess. Um, but I was thinking, how did this man that was so busy, he had so much going on, have the time to write such an extraordinary book? It's so inspiring. Not you know, obviously, there's everything about his life is inspiring. Not everything. A lot about his life is inspiring. But the fact that that he then had the time and discipline and energy to put it down and and sh- to share it with folks. And so when the pandemic happened, Matt and I were talking and I was like, you know, the problem with writing a cookbook or writing a book is unless it's 100% your focus, it's kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to make something great, you have to put 100% of your energy into it. Yeah. And I don't have the time to do that, but I did. I did have the time when we were stuck at home and we spent, we spent that year plus concentrating on on really making something extraordinary and it was a really wonderful um i'm very it's wonderful to be feel truly like you gave something your all you were 100 honest you left it all on the mat and you could be proud of the outcome whether or not it whether no matter what the outcome i'm proud of it because of the energy i put in yeah. and it happens i think to be really great by the way that second book was chef iq is that what it was food, food IQ. iq okay Food, I, food IQ, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's 100 questions, recipes, and answers to help you raise your cooking smarts. Because um, it's not just about cooking. It's about how you sound when you're talking about food. This is um, cultural currency to be traded around the water cooler at work. Oh, my God. Was that, not to uh, alliterate. Was that an expert from Google? I think somebody... Um, <laughs> was that a review? There was media training. That was, that was, was incredible. Involved. I think you blacked out there for a second. Uh, you're co-founder of the Meatball Shop. I imagine you being out here, there's two locations, right? Still? Can uh, we talk about this? Of course. Uh, well, I imagine I you not? being out here now, uh, you're not working in or on the shops. Is, no. this, is this just residual income? And if so, how do I do this? Okay, I'll tell you all about passive income. It's a fallacy in the restaurant world. Either you are paddling with the ship and it's because uh, you're, 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 you're facing upstream. And as soon as you stop... Um, as soon as you stop working on it, um, you're washed out to sea. And ultimately, you know, in the, unless you have a, you know, large restaurant group and you, you're able to, um, you know, unless you're one of the big dogs that has hundreds of restaurants, the truth of the matter is that most restaurants only have enough money for their immediate team. Um, and uh, then there aren't a ton of profits left over, especially if you want to grow. Um, you can't afford to distribute the profits. You want to keep them in the company. And so the so there's no passive income for me on that one. Um, uh, but um, but the business um, is. Let me think about are you how still, I feel about it. Are you it. still a part of? Yeah, of the absolutely. Business? I'm a part of the business. I'm just not working there. Okay. And so when I think about what that means, um, are yeah, you, I'm are an you consul- owner. Are you still consulting on the business at all? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, I just don't have a role in the day to day operations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, the reason itself. I'm pausing is because when I really think about what that sounds like, it sounds like bullshit to me. I'm like, either you're working on a restaurant or you're not. Um, well, I think a lot of people start a restaurant and think that like one day they won't have to be there every day. You know what I mean? And like the, the, there's a fairy tale, fairy tale at the end of all the struggle that like maybe it's this thing that yeah, operates but that's by bullshit. itself. 
It just does. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is, but not if you want a great restaurant yeah. where that you care about. Um, I open a restaurant because I want to be there and do it. Yeah. I think the great John Arena said himself, uh, you shouldn't have an office in your restaurant unless the office is in front of the oven. I don't have an office in the restaurant. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, don't, I mean, the pizza, we, I, I, look, I, we opened the meatball shop. We opened the, we, 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 we built a bunch of restaurants. I hired a CEO to run it for, for us. Yeah. Um, he was doing an extraordinary job. There were challenges in the business and, um, and, uh, you know, this pandemic was very, very challenging for New York, especially. Of course. Um, we've got a couple of shops left. They're doing well. The food is great. Um, the team is extraordinary. Um, I don't spend a ton of energy and time on it, mm -hmm. but we do communicate about it. Um, I support it however and whenever I can. My partner Michael and I talk about it, you know, very, very regularly. But he's in the same position I am, you know, not on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I'm very proud of. Yeah. But I feel conflicted about because I feel like, again, it's like jujitsu. Either you're on the mat or you're not. Yeah. So, like, when you're like, oh, you're a jujitsu guy, I'm like, am I if I'm not there every day? And so it's like I'm, when you ask me about the meatball shop, I'm proud of it. We birthed it. But, like, if I'm not there every day, can I really call it mine? And, and is that fair to the people that are busting their ass to make it great? Yeah. Um, and I don't think so. I think it's theirs. You open a restaurant and it's all yours. I mean, right now I'm working on a biz, business plan. I'm working on a business. Um, I've got drawings. I mean, I'm. it's mine. Maybe I start to share it a little bit with the architect, uh, the investors a little bit, but it's like mine. And then all of a sudden you open it up and your team, it's your teams. Yeah. And it's your customers. Yeah. And like the, that pizzeria, it says Danny Boy's. But it ain't my pizzeria. It's that, those, they're the ones that are in there doing it. Yeah. I'm sitting here bullshitting on camera yeah i mean that's true right like it's that's their pizzeria and if you get that and you that's what the that, like when i was a young cook i wanted to own what i was doing mm -hmm. care about what i was doing yeah. and 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 i wanted to be recognized for that and if you can recognize the people that are doing it for you then you do have a chance of succeeding Getting a little bit of, 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 of an escape. Like I was, you know, I was in the hot tub and cold plunge this morning and doing a little laps while they were setting up. And that's, thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Do you have plans to open more of these? We're talking about it. Yeah. I, I, um, I was really careful this time around not to have a master plan of like, I've got ambitions and goals, but the plan has to be dependent on the success and, and, uh, and what's really going on in the business. Yeah. I feel like in, the, in times of my life, I get lost and I can't see the forest through the trees kind of thing. If you, if you really want to know why, where my persona came from for uh, Instagram, there's this dude that's on Instagram right now. You know that guy that's like the greatest? He's like, oh, yeah, you should go down on, on Saturday night like your sister or whatever. The long-haired dude? Yeah, the yeah, long-haired dude. I was like, amazing. I want to be funny like that guy, but... Not talk about obnoxious things. Yeah, he's like, and, I'm so fucking hungover in the hey, airport. Yeah. yeah. Gabagool, yeah. vinegar peppers, yeah. you know, brujol, brujou, brujats. Um, I was like, I want to be less obnoxious than that guy, but f as funny, which it's not possible because it's, they're, they're, they're uh, inextricably linked. What were we talking about? I cold have no plunge? idea. Yeah, <laughs> the cold plunges, dude. What do you think a good, uh, a good startup for for this kind of concept is monetarily a good estimate i think the more money you have um the better off you are uh <laughs> but um realistically man look it depends upon how much you got to lose right because insurance and building permits and all that kind of stuff like you know, when you're young and you're kind of reckless because you got a little less uh, um, liability, if you lose it all, it's like kind of okay, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and then as you kind of progress, you realize how risky what you were doing really was, and it starts to get more expensive. Um, but uh, I think in L.A., 
you need 600 grand to open a pizzeria. And that's tight. Yeah. You could probably do it for four, but, you know, it's pretty down and dirty. Yeah. Um, and it costs me closer to a million. Yeah. Was this a full build-out? There was they, no, The was landlord did a lot for us here. Okay. Um, and so it was kind of part of the construction of the place, so it's a little more complicated than that. Plus, it's a union building, so, you know, uh, the union folks... Um, um, make a living wage, and that makes it, you know, a fair price and more expensive. Um, and there are also a lot of rules based on the complications of being part of a high-rise building, engineering-wise yeah. um, and hours of operation-wise that made it very expensive to, to, to build out here. Yeah. But, um, you know, freestanding, smaller building, yeah, I think 500 grand, 600 grand, 400 grand, depending okay. on what's in stock. You know, ideally you find a place that's already a pizzeria, yeah. you know. But I kind of think that the pro the problem is that, look, like, the goal is for it to be financially successful. And in success, you don't want to be limited by the choices that you make during construction. So if you can spend more to, you know, to get it. Get it right. A penny saved is a penny earned. But you don't want to limit your upside because you, you know, uh, didn't spend a little bit of money on what you needed to make it right. That's great advice. Yeah. That's what I think. What is your best selling item and your worst selling item? Pepperoni pizza is our best selling item. Yep. By like, you know, I don't know, a third of the people get a slice of pepperoni. New York, it's just a slice of cheese, regular slice. But here it's pepperoni. Maybe it's 50-50 in New York, I don't know. Okay. Pepperoni is the best pizza, let's be honest. Yeah. Come on. If it wasn't the best, everybody wouldn't want it. Sim it's simple. It's phenomenally delicious. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I use that Izo pepperoni. I love that pepperoni. It's my favorite. Yeah. I, people love that Rosa Bianco. If you want the cup and char I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, we did a blind taste and I thought the Izo was really delicious. I love them both, but I did them both. But there's something like animalistic about that Izo. It tastes like pork. I like that. Anyway. Is it a thicker cut too? I think that they come in multiple cut okay. sizes, but we've got a medium cut, yeah. Okay. Um, I think those Prince Street people, they use a real thick cut pepperoni. I think which, they, they use uh, oh. Rosa Grande Extreme yeah, from Extreme. Hormel. Yeah, that Rosa Grande is great. Yeah. Um, the, um, the worst selling item on our menu is probably the, the by, by numbers, um, yeah. maybe the Greek salad. Oh, really? I think we sell, like, 14 Greek salads a day, When do you probably? decide to kill an, kill an item? Even Man. if it's, like, something you really love, you really wanted it to work out. I learned it. So, I, you know, I fly planes. Do you know this? I, I, Jesus, I pilot, pilot no, planes. You you're, um, wow. The, in the plane, they, they have a checklist that is the um, equipment necessary in order to be legally allowed to take off. And you go through that checklist, and if some, so if something's broken or not working, you could be like, either it is required or it's not, required equipment. And I think um, a pizzeria or any restaurant menu is that way. You look at your menu item and you say, do I need to have this item on the menu? Like, if you said, is it part of the identity of what makes this restaurant authentic to what it's supposed to be? And if that's not the case, then there are no sacred cows and you should fucking cut it as soon as you goddamn can if it's not making you fucking money because what are you here for? Yeah. It's a waste of your time, right? So, in a nice, friendly way, back to the nice guy. Um, that's my other persona. It's called the asshole guy. Doesn't get <laughs> oh, that was good. condescending dickbag. I was getting fucking um Yeah, so I think, I think uh, it, you know, if it's doing something for your customer, like, I think about that a lot, but I think if people hide behind that excuse where you're like, well, I got gluten-free on the menu, not because it sells well, but because... You know, when you get a big party, one of them was gluten-free and it stops people from... It's like, hey, yeah. man, you got to be authentic and true to yourself. You make food that you love, that you think is great yeah, quality, um, that you want to eat, um, that you want to share with people. And then, um, and if it doesn't sell well, then, like, get out of your own way and get it the fuck off your menu. Make room for shit that will. Do you, do you cook your gluten-free in a pan? Yeah, we make a pan. Yeah. Pan crust. Uh, I think the gluten-free trend is waning. For sure. It's think it's waning. It's less popular than it was. I think, especially in a place like LA, which is at the forefront of, uh, 
uh, at the forefront, the, the vanguard of, of um, dietary, uh, yeah. um, I'm trying to say this in the nicest way I can possibly say, that we're at the vanguard of dietary restriction, yeah. um, uh, a dietary trend. I, I think that I'm seeing a, lo a lot fewer folks come in and, and get gluten-free. I think it's wonderful for, for, for the folks that are celiacs and really have quite a sensitivity to it because there's more availability. I'm proud of the, of the gluten-free pizza. We wouldn't sell it otherwise. But um, um, we don't sell as much as I had anticipated. Yeah, well, maybe people are just making better pizza, using better grain, and so it's better on people's stomachs. Or maybe, like most trends in the world, you know, it ebbs and it flows. Do you think it was a trend? Do I know it was a trend? No, yeah, do you absolutely. Think it was of a course, trend? we know. Yeah. yeah, of course, it was a trend. Those people, all those people are just fucking full of shit. No, absolutely not. They're not <laughs> full of shit. But that doesn't make it not a trend. Yeah. I mean, why, I just, I, I, I wonder why, why, how did that become a trend? Was it really people just... I think that what winds up happening is folks, um, uh, you know, look, I'm sure, and there's lots and lots and lots of scientific evidence to, to show this, that people have different levels of, of sensitivity towards, um, towards different types of foods. Yeah. And so, you know... I imagine that, you know, most of the folks were being honest. Um, and I'm sure that there's some psychosomatic uh, um, factors of, uh, uh, involved as well. Yeah. Um, like in all, um, uh, you know, medical research, we know that when people think something to be true, it helps and it is true. Yeah. And so who cares whether whether. Why, why it made people feel better. Yeah. I don't know, man. We shouldn't talk about this. I'm, I don't have ni nice things to say. Yeah, no worries. No worries. No worries. I only like do to say eat, nice do you, things. Do you eat your gluten-free uh, gluten pizza? I did once. Yeah? You, did, you had it one time? I tried it out. <laughs> that Fiori glute Dude, that's pretty good. I gotta it's be straight magic. Forward. The gluten-free pizza, I eat I eat a slight... I make sure to eat at least one pizza of, of everything that we... One taste of every single thing that we serve at least every week, right? Yeah. So I eat a slice of gluten-free pizza every single week, and it's yeah. delicious. Yeah. Um... I think it's a delicious food. And I think if you were to close your eyes and not know what you were eating, you wouldn't know whether it was gluten-free or not. It's just a delicious type of food. Yeah. Uh, I only uh, take umbrage or get frustrated with folks when they make food um, that doesn't taste good just to... To have it on the menu. Have it on the menu. Yeah. I, I, and so we said we wouldn't have it on the menu if we couldn't make it great. Yeah. But luckily, Vincent Rotolo is a friend of mine, and he helped he me with what, it. And he, he knows he's, what he's, he's doing. He's the gluten-free guy. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. All right. I didn't mean to... I didn't mean to talk about gluten free. No, I just don't want to long. speak to speak to the 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 veracity of people's complaints about their dietary restrictions. I think in America there's a lot of folks who are um, indulgent, self indulgent, and 100%. and I think that there's a lot of folks that blame reasons for their you know health problems, and you know we should take more responsibility. Have some self discipline. You know, yeah, like. You know, you don't have to call the cops for every single problem. There's a lot of problems that we can solve for ourselves, and and we don't need to bring, we don't need to, add, you know, we could help 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 each other, help one another, be part of the community, and stop uh, waiting for a magical other thing to fix to fix our problems in a nice, friendly way. Well said. Gluten being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is there a failure in your career? Oh, uh, my career is a. I have been failing upwards well, from the very beginning. I need, I need one failure that really taught you something that hopefully you could share that would help help me, help us. I um, had a terrible attitude, and I struggle with it to this day, being respectful and appreciative and kind and thoughtful. And my mouth works faster than my brain, and I'm one of those Eastern European crazy people that just you know, speaks, speaks, uh, <laughs> I've offended everybody. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> she was right. No, it's terrible. My publicist is giving me a thumbs up with a big smile. She has no idea what I'm saying. Um, I'm one of those people that's, uh, yeah, hyperbolic and I'm like, it's great. It's shit. It's terrible. And I can be rude and obnoxious. And I, my, my, you know, Man, I've, I've stifled so many creative, wonderful, thoughtful, hardworking people that wanted to support what I was doing. And the lesson I think my, fail, my biggest failure that continues is not 
truly appreciating the people that are next to me that are helping to sh hoping to share my dream, but ultimately supporting me to realize my dream. And I, um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's challenging. Fucks me up. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, you could be so nice, so nice, so nice. But if you show your ass for one minute, <laughs> if you're honest for one minute and you're a dickhead, it takes it all away. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. there he is. There's that guy. Turns out he was an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to support him anymore. So don't be an asshole. Don't be a fucking asshole. Okay. Here's the hard question. Is pizza on the East Coast better? Is pizza on the East Coast better? It's very different, but no, it's not better. That's a silly question. There's, you know, okay, let me, let me use this as an allegory <laughs> example. What did you call it? I think I said metaphor or a, autobiography. A metaphor? What's the thing where you do the, na the, the letters and you come up with a word that sounds like it and then you can remember the That's acronym? That's called a bar. Acronym? Bar? Yeah. That's a bar. That's a bar, dude. Um... I was thinking when we were trying to write the cookbook about, you know, in a world where it's not popular to look at one culture and say that they're better or worse at something than another culture, then I was, I was trying to understand why French food was so celebrated and had so much influence on the rest of the world's food culture and, you know, culture. And I realized that it had been celebrated in French culture for many, many years before other cultures maybe had celebrated food uh, in the way that, you know, Kings had take, put, put together, uh, you know, contests for, uh, for chefs. And chefs were not, you know, second-class citizens, but they were considered artists. And, you know, there were techniques that were developed um, through that. And when a, when, a, um, when a culture celebrates something and supports it, um, it has a better chance of, um, of, of becoming... Uh, reaching its goal, right? Or, uh, and in New York City, like pizza got there first. So there is more time and energy. And so therefore there are more pizzerias and more people that know how to make pizza. And it's had more time to evolve and innovate. And I think that as the diaspora, the Italian diaspora kind of like uh, migrated uh, across the country, um, different communities use different ingredients based on what was available and they made pizza that would be um, to the liking of the local community and so it changed but it didn't make it better or worse it just made it very different and so um, some places have then you know pizzas proliferated and done very well and you have a huge community of lots and lots of different pizzerias and other places it wasn't as popular and so you didn't see as many and so in the places where there are lots of uh, pizzerias and lots of people making pizza it naturally um, uh, the cream rises to the top and there's and there's a there's there's a bigger pool so um, this is a complicated way of saying yes <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Yes, it is better. <laughs> yes, it is better. <laughs> I'm hoping that everybody's thoroughly confused enough to have forgotten oh, the question. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is he talking about? <laughs> the French? I'm trying to say that, you know, when you have more time and more energy and you put more effort into it, it, uh, it has a better chance of, of being better. But, you know, there's more pizza. Yeah. But I don't know that it's better, especially now when we can all share information and understand and learn from one another so quickly, right? It's like I don't need to go to a chef to get the information. I can go online and find the information. I can study. Uh, it's available to me. Um, so I think there's great pizza. Is the pizza better in New York? Is the pizza better on the East Coast? I also haven't traveled enough around the East Coast to really be an, an expert and say, like, have you had pizza in... In Charlotte, North Carolina? Is that no, in North Carolina? Yeah, it could be fire, though. could be amazing. Yeah. could be terrible. I don't know. Have you had pizza? You know, like, I'm traveling around the West Coast enough. I have no idea, but I'm just making best, best pizza I can. That's, that's I have an opinion matters. about it, but I ain't going to share right. it. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I saved the, the hardest question for last. Um, what is the greatest band of all time and why? I think uh, the greatest band of all time and why... It can be artists. I'm a too. big Shostakovich guy. I think that his his marches were extraordinarily <laughs> influential. 
<laughs> Huge. Um, I don't know. I'm fucking. What do I know, man? I make a pizza over here. You know, um, you listen to. You ever listen to music? I've heard of music. Um, <laughs> Have you done that before? <laughs> um, I, I've, I've listened to I know music you're a before. busy guy. I'm mostly podcasts and books on tape. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I only listen to, to tape. Autobiographies of influential Cassette people. Um, the greatest band of all time. I, I wanted to say David Bowie, but I, that's that not works. true. I just think David Bowie's great. I don't know. I'm, I'm really... Bowie is great. I love David Bowie. I love fucking Stevie Wonder. I've been to more Stevie Wonder concerts than any... <laughs> Stevie Wonder? Um... I don't know. Rolling Stones are pretty fucking great. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I know it ain't Green Day. I'll tell you that much for all you people out there that are still listening to Green Day. It ain't Green Day. Uh, <laughs> Not the best of all time. They're great. They're great. Yeah. If you're a grungy guy, you love that. You live in your car. You never get laid anymore. <laughs> uh, Dookie was pretty good when it, was it came out. It's fucking great. Green Day's great. Album. Yeah, it was great. Great, great. I, that was that was that was a high school treat. Um, I think a friend of mine is. Um, the manager of Green Day, and I want to apologize sincerely for that <laughs> comment. It just came out naturally. Oh, they're still selling. Sorry, out they're shows. doing. They're crushing yeah, it. Actually, yeah. they're doing really, really well. Yeah. They're extraordinary musicians. They're All right. Than, well, I play we... the flute. You play the flute? Absolutely. You're a flute player. Yeah, my wife teaches piano, and I play the flute. It's special. Are you dead serious? Hundred percent. Wow. Dead Are you in a marching band? No, no, no. I don't think they do the flute in the marching. Oh, they probably oh, do. Yeah, piccolo, they do. piccolo. Yeah, you're right in yeah, the front. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. 110 clarinets in the big parade. And the, mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. You're right. Where do we go to get in touch with you? Where Dan should people go to you, bug you? Get with, your DMs. You should pop over to um, yeah. at Danny Boy's Famous Original Pizza. Um, you guys just hit 20K Instagram followers. Brother. Yep. The people are so fucking wonderfully they supportive. It. It's extraordinary. Every reel you post just blows the fuck makes up. Makes me so happy. Are you on TikTok? Hell yeah. Are you running all that yourself? These these ladies do the whole situation. They're amazing. It's incredible. Are you yeah. doing those in one take? Yeah, one take wonder. Incredible. What, what do you think it is? There's a script? They're speaking from the heart. Hey, I got to ask. Should I do a script? Uh, no, I, I think not, what you're doing is working. I wouldn't tell you to do anything. I'll else. tell you. I'll tell you the. If you asked me to act, yeah, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. <laughs> it would that not would, work. Be, it's got. I am not it, an actor. Okay. All right. So hit you up on Instagram. Yo, you should hit me up on Instagram. You should come down and get a slice of pizza. There we go. Um, it's a beautiful day in downtown today. It's fucking it's hot as balls. Yeah. It was kind of cool when we started, but it's it's, it's yeah. a nice day. So come down to the shop, grab a slice. Get a slice of pizza. I'm here every day. You make me so happy. And introduce yourself and thank you for Daniel, the support. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. You're so kind with your time. Let's go get a slice of pizza. It was great. Are you going to have a slice? All right. God bless. Thank you. God, for all your gods. Enjoy. I want to know. I want to know.